Amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us to the Lord. So good to be with you. How's everyone doing? Is it a good morning? <laughs> All right. We have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? So much to be thankful for. God is good. I am uh, excited to uh, share with you the message this morning about why we gather on Sunday. And uh, we're in a series uh, looking at the church, why church, and particularly why God has called us here at Rimrock Church together to a specific strategy. And over the last few weeks, we've been sharing that. And at the very center and where we started is with God. The goal is God. He is the treasure. There is no greater goal and there's no greater thing that uh, we could ever pursue. <laughs> and so God himself is what we most need. It is our, our most greatest treasure. And so as a church, we want to be about him. And that's individually, each of you, individually in your own lives, but as a body, as a, as a community, we want God to be in the center. We want him to be our goal. And he's revealed himself to be Father, Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And so it's a trinity, it's a community that God, as one God, has revealed himself as this loving community where he invites us to experience his love, to know his love, and to share that love just as he has shared so generously with us. And so we become a community of love and we see that Jesus calls us to be disciples. And so as a church, we want to be about being disciples, that we are called to be followers of Jesus. And as his followers, he's transforming us and he's giving us a significant mission, a purpose. And that purpose is to introduce God to other people. That is God's plan. He doesn't have another plan. It's to work through us, through you and through me. And so we become conduits of God's blessing, of his love, of his presence to the people around us. And so we looked at being disciples and not just being transformed ourselves, but being part of God's significant mission in this world. And then God's plan is to have a people, a new community. And we talked about Acts 2 where the church as it was formed and came together as God's people became his body where love gets worked out, right? Love gets worked out in our families, but also in our church family as brothers and sisters, as siblings, as sons and daughters of God. Love is getting worked out and that happens in relationships as we commit to seeking God together, practicing the word of God and prayer and worship together and sharing our possessions and helping each other in our needs and so then the community of God get, gets worked out in our lives and then this morning we're looking about why we come together on Sundays why do we come together on a Saturday night or a Sunday and I was talking to Jill and I said have you ever heard a whole sermon just on that <laughs> and we were scratching our heads we, we couldn't remember if we'd ever heard a whole sermon just on this topic and so we're gonna give it a try uh, today um, I'm going to answer the question right up front, so I'm not going to hold you in suspense about why we come together on Sunday, and it's a one-word answer, okay? It's the resurrection. That's it. <laughs> it is the resurrection. That is why we come together on Sundays. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but I don't want to miss the significance of that. The resurrection changed everything. The first followers of Jesus as they saw Jesus go to the cross, they were cowering, hiding, running, scared for their lives. But then Jesus conquered death. <laughs> he came back from the dead and he came victorious. And he promised 
that he was gonna put an end to the curse of sin and death, and the resurrection was the way. And so these followers of Jesus who are cowering, hiding, all of a sudden realize the power that God had unleashed in this world. And the Holy Spirit in them, it says in Romans, that if the very Spirit of God that raised, God raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you, and so it is the resurrection power that enabled the early Christians to go out of hiding into the public places. And they had one message. They said, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> God has revealed himself. He is the God of the resurrection life. And so the power of God was being worked out in his people. And so every single disciple gave their lives because of the resurrection. I was uh, thinking this past month as a church, we've had two funerals the last month for young people. Yesterday, uh, we had the celebration of life for Shelby Lilbo, who had been part of our student ministry here. But she had placed her faith in Jesus, and I was struck and moved as those who shared and sang up here gave testimony to hope, <laughs> uh, to the fact that even though her life was so brief, so short, that Jesus had given her joy, had given her confidence in not only this life, but the life to come. And what, what brings that about? It's the resurrection. It's the resurrection. And so the early believers, as they began to meet, and they met daily in their homes, and they shared, as we saw in Acts 2, but once a week they would come together to worship, and it was on Sunday, because the resurrection happened on a Sunday. <laughs> and so the early believers, they called it the Lord's Day. And that shows up in several books in the Bible, including Revelation, where it talks about the Lord's Day. And in Acts 20, as we see this pattern develop where the early Christians, the early followers of Jesus, as they began to meet together corporately to worship, it says in Acts 20, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Now, some of you are thinking, man, I would be more likely to go to church if I had a, a pastor like Apostle Paul, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so, but this verse may make us think twice about that because it says Paul spoke to the people and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept talking until midnight. <laughs> so the good news is I'm not going to keep you here to midnight. <laughs> so why do we come together? And I'm going to talk about three things, what it's not, what it points to, and what it is. Why do we come together? Because of the resurrection. Here's what is important for us to realize is that for us as Christians, Sunday morning worship is not all of the Christian life. And that's a really important point is God doesn't command and demand that Sunday worship become the centerpiece of our Christian life. In fact, in Romans 12, God asks for much more than just Sunday morning worship. What does he ask for? Verse 1 and 2 of chapter 12. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in, in view of who God is and what he has done in sending Jesus into this world and forgiving our sins and creating us into a new people and pouring out his Holy Spirit to offer your bodies as living sacrifice. And so what we see here is what God's call in our lives as his followers, as Christians, as followers of Jesus is that it's not just Sunday morning that God wants of you. He wants all of you. He wants your whole heart, your whole life. A few weeks ago, Boomer preached out of Deuteronomy, and the call was to love the Lord your God with all. It doesn't just say some of 
or a part of, he says, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. And so the demand or the invitation of God is so much more than just giving up an hour on a Sunday morning. God is interested in you and me and all of who we are. And so the question we ask is, why, why does God want so much? And the reality is there is no one greater that we could give to. <laughs> this world is full of different things that people are passionate about, that they give themselves to, that even lay down their lives for. But the Bible presents to us that God is the creator of heaven and earth and that he alone is most worthy of our lives and that we were created to be in relationship with him to know him to receive his love and his goodness and so there is no greater good or greater thing that we could give our lives to than to God <laughs> he is the ultimate but the good news is God is good <laughs> and so instead of demanding or receiving our lives and and using or abusing us he blesses us he gives to us he shares his life with us. That is the nature, the character of God. He is love. And he pours out his goodness and his blessing on our lives. And so as we give ourselves to him, instead of consuming us to destroy us, he consumes us to bless us. And we see that throughout the Bible over and over again. As people come to God, they find as they delight in him, they are most satisfied in him. That we are most filled as people, we are most satisfied as people. We realize our full potential as people when we truly come to God. And that's why it says when we offer ourselves, our bodies, everything we are to God is a living sacrifice. He says, this is your true and proper worship. So we're just going to put that out there as, as God wants way more than your time on a Sunday morning. He wants your heart. He wants everything that you are. This is what God is after. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so as we come to him, he changes us. Resurrection becomes a reality in our lives. And so the dead things, the broken things, the sick things in our lives, God is making new. He's transforming every aspect of who we are and ultimately our bodies. And that's why we can say with confidence that Shelby is made whole today because of the resurrection the transforming work of God. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will, his good and pleasing and perfect will. And so when we understand what God is after, we understand that he's not just asking you to give up an hour on Sunday morning. He's asking for everything that you are. And as you come to him and worship him and offer yourself to him, then you will be able to truly live then I will truly know God's will. And here's the good news, it's good. <laughs> it's not bad, it's not harmful, it doesn't take away, it only adds. God is generous, he is good, he's perfect in every way. So as we think about what it's not, let's think about what it points to. There's so many other things that we could do with our time and our energy and our money and our resources, but it, it's significant. And I just want to point out in our strategy, we're not saying Sunday morning worship is the center of it all. It's not. God is. God is the center of all. He is the one we are after. But this is part of God's plan for our lives. It's part of it. And so what, it, what is it pointing to? What is the importance of what we're doing here this morning? Throughout the Bible, there's a, 
a pattern that God set into place from the very beginning in creation. It says he created for six days and then he rested on the seventh day. And so for the Jewish people, this became a pattern for life where they uh, worked and labored and used their passions and their gifts and their skills and God provided through the work of his people and he continues to work, work through our work. And so next Sunday, we're going to be talking about our workplace and how God has given us passions and energies and, and how we're to use those things. But on the seventh day, it says God rested. And God doesn't need to rest. I mean, he's God. <laughs> but he was, he was revealing something to us, revealing something about who he is and what he created us to be. And it says he rested and he looked back on his work and he said, it is good. <laughs> it is good. And it's interesting that this pattern, as it continued as the Jewish people um, began to practice the Sabbath on Saturday, the natural question for us as Christians is, is Sunday the new Sabbath? And that's a compl complex question that I'm not going to be able to fully uh, work out with you guys this morning. I would love to have conversations with you about it. But I'm going to say on a, on a simple level, no, in the sense that Sunday is not replacing Saturday as the Jews practice Sabbath. And so my simple answer is no. But in another way, it points to a true Sabbath. Now, the Jewish leaders fought with Jesus over this issue more than any other. In fact, the very first time it says they wanted to kill him was when Jesus healed someone on a Sabbath. This became a major conflict because Jesus didn't follow all the rules. <laughs> he didn't do everything they thought should happen on the Sabbath because on the Sabbath, he let his disciples pick grain to eat and he healed people, he cared for people, he ministered to people. So he worked on the Sabbath. And so they couldn't understand what was Jesus doing. Mark 2, 27, Jesus said, the Sabbath was not made for man, but man for the Sabbath. And so Jesus just turned it all upside down. He said, what, what, what you put all your rules and your laws to try to accomplish, God has a whole different plan, a whole different purpose. And so in one way, Jesus totally upended a rule-based, law-based way of approaching God. He shows us a new way. In verse uh, 8 of chapter 12 of Matthew, Jesus said, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. <laughs> and so Jesus claimed his authority over the day. He said, this is my day. This is about me. This is about God and his work. Not about your work or not working. This is about God. And so Jesus upended all of the way we should think about Sabbath. And so the, the Sabbath points us not to ourselves, but to God. It's not about us. <laughs> and we've been talking about that as being disciples, as, as we no longer think of ourselves as consumers, but we think about ourselves as being consumed by God and what he wants to do in us and through us to be a blessing. And so it's not about us, but Sabbath ultimately points to God. And the author of Hebrews helps us in this respect as we think about the true Sabbath. He says in chapter 4, verse 9, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work. You see, he's, he's changing. He's not talking about observing a day. He's talking about knowing God. He's talking about God. For just as God did from his, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Isn't that interesting? Make every effort to enter the rest. But this is important, right? He's trying to get our attention. He's helping us see that, to think about this correctly. 
so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. And so he's talking about how the Jewish people observe the Sabbath. Law, rules, condemnation. But this is the new way. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Therefore, is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom him we must give an account. And so many of you who've grown up in church know that verse about the importance of the word of God. But isn't it interesting to think about that in the context of the Sabbath? You see, the Sabbath is pointing to something much bigger than what we're doing here. But by being here, we're pointing to that reality. It says, so that we can enter God's rest. I don't know about you, but this world wears me out. It's hard. It's difficult. I was sitting here yesterday. This place was filled as we were remembering Shelby, and I just felt this deep sorrow in my heart and said, this isn't right. This is not the way God intended it to be for a 15-year-old to be gone so soon. Something's deeply broken in this world. And so the reality of the resurrection, that God is making all things new, that the rest that we long for, the rest that we desire and we try to find in so many different places, in so many different ways that ultimately don't satisfy us, what we're doing here today is we're pointing to a bigger reality, a bigger truth, that God is a resurrection God, that he's creating new things, new people, a new world, a new place, and God is doing that. And so the word of God exposes the false things, the dead things, the broken things in our lives. God is transforming. He's working. And what we're doing here is we're pointing to that reality, a new reality of what God is all about. And it's when we come together and we point to that. I, I love what Tim Keller says about this. He says the purpose of the Sabbath is not simply to rejuvenate yourself. It's not about us not about me in order to be more productive it's not the pursuit of pleasure the purpose of sabbath is to enjoy your god to enjoy your god to enjoy the life that he gives what you have accomplished in the world through his help and the freedom you have in the gospel the freedom from slavery to any material object or human expectation the sabbath and this is this is this gets to the purpose of why we're here, is a sign of the hope that we have in the world to come. It's a sign. And so here's the good news. All of God's purpose and his eternity isn't so that we just have a worship service over and over and over again. <laughs> Praise God, right? <laughs> That's not what we're after. What we're after is we're here to point to a new reality, a new truth that the world is gonna be different that God is making something new and he's starting in us. He's starting in me, he's starting in you and he's producing in us what we could not do on our own. He's giving us love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. He's turning us into the kind of people that aren't selfish but who give, who share, who bless. God is doing it. And so together we point to a truer reality because what C.S. Lewis said is the reality that we experience here and now is a shadow. This is a shadow world, but there is a true world, <laughs> a real world that's 
filled with God's goodness and his blessing. And what we're doing is we're pointing to that. And so, as many people have come to the conclusion, if, if Sunday worship isn't all the Christian life, then it's not important. I can do other things. I can do other things. But in Hebrews 10, the author says, be careful because what we're doing together by gathering and pointing to the true reality of God and his word and his, the treasure and his glory, he says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. It's not about us. It's about sharing with others, encouraging others, pointing others to the reality of God. And he says, all the more, and here's the key, as you see the day approach. <laughs> you see, the, the whole Bible is pointing to this new reality of God and his new creation and the new salvation that he's doing in us. And there's a day when it's gonna become real, <laughs> where it's not gonna be shadow anymore. Paul said, it's like right now we're looking through a glass and we can't see clearly, but one day we will see clearly. And all the confusing hard things of this life will make sense. God's gonna do it. And so together, we come together because we're saying, that's real, it's true, I believe it, I've staked my life on it, and I come together to point to that reality. I'm a witness, I'm a witness of that reality in my life, in our lives together. And so we don't give up meeting together. So what is it? What do we do and why are we doing that when we come uh, come here. It's a de declaration of our worship. It's a declaration of God is first in our lives. Right now, you could be doing a lot of other things. I know that. And a lot of people are doing lots of other things. But you've chosen and I've chosen to be here because we say God is first in my life. And that's why many of us and and Jill and I are convinced that this is so important is we take a portion of, of, of the resources, the money that God's given us, and we, we give it. We give it to God because we say we trust you. We believe in you. And so as we give our time and our money and our energy and our gifts, we're saying God is most worthy of worship. He is first in our lives. And throughout the Old Testament, as, as the people of God would worship, God would always invite them to trust him by giving their first and their best. And so a farmer would give the first of his crops and the, the shepherd would give the first of his sheep and the very best. He wouldn't give the leftovers, but the very best. Because that's what's best for us, is when we come to understand the glory of God and his worth, that he's worthy. And so this is the life of worship with God at the center. And so we order our lives around him, not around us, <laughs> around his priorities, his loves, his passions. And so we come together back to Romans 12, right? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. And some of you are stand, sitting there thinking, well, Ben, of course, you're a pastor, <laughs> Uh, it, it's convenient for you to, 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 to talk that way, to, to, to have that. But I've seen this worked out in so many followers of Jesus' life. I remember in Minnesota, there would be farmers in the church, and we'd be in the middle of harvest, and they have their whole livelihood, millions of dollars in their fields that they need to get out of the fields, but they would pause, they would wait, and they would come to worship God. And there was no obligation. There was no one saying, you must do this. But they did, they came because they understood God was first. They understood that he was everything. The Spains shared this morning about going to China. 
And uh, I was thinking about them and them sharing in a story of Eric Little this morning who was a, a, a runner, an Olympic athlete. And uh, he was from England. And uh, the meet that he was going to run was his best meet and he was going to get a gold medal. It was almost guaranteed because he was the best runner for that event. But it happened to happen on a, happened to ha- happen on a Sunday morning. And he decided to go to church instead of run in the Olympics. And everyone said, you're crazy. What are you doing? But he said, God is more important to me than a gold medal. And we could say, well, I mean, it's not wrong to run. It's not wrong to play sports. But you see, Eric's life wasn't just as an Olympic athlete. He eventually went to China to share the name of Jesus with people in China. And in fact, he was killed. He was martyred there sharing Jesus. Why? because he understood the treasure of God. He understood that all of life comes from God. And so as we, the body of Christ, as we come together as the community of communities, as God's bride, (laughs) as his people, his body, and his dwelling place, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, as we come together, the spirit of God reveals himself It says, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So he talks about when Christians come together to worship God and they put God first in every area of their lives as they offer themselves. He says, people who don't know Christ will come in and the secrets of their hearts will be laid bare. And that's what we read about in Hebrews. The word of God gets to the very core of who we are. It divides, it reveals, it shows, and it heals. (laughs) It restores us. So many times I hear from people who come into church and they say, how... How, how do you know about my life? Why are you talking about me? And I said, that is God's spirit. It's not me. I don't know, but God knows. He knows your heart and he's working. He's speaking. He's changing things in you. He's doing that in us together as we come together because he says, as the secrets of their hearts will they bear, they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. <laughs> you see, when we come together, we reveal the purposes of God, the glory of God, and the God who dwells among his people. And so we begin our week giving the first of what we have to God, our time, our money, our energy. And we declare together that there is a truer reality, God's reality, his resurrection reality. And so together we become witnesses of that. And this becomes a foretaste. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up. And I wanna end by reading out of Revelation chapter 7 because all of human history culminates in this glorious moment where it says there before the throne of God was a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe every nation every people every language next Sunday we're going to be talking about the mission of God and how we are part of God's mission in fact John Piper says, mission exists because worship doesn't. (laughs) The goal is God and the worship of God. And so one day, every nation, every tribe, every tongue will be for the Lamb. They will recognize God for the treasure that He is. They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice. And I'm going to ask you guys to stand as we prepare. We're going to sing and worship God. This is what it says that they cried out, salvation belongs to our God. And so together we're saying, there's no salvation in material possessions, there's no salvation in pleasure, there's no salvation in anything else besides you, God.
Salvation belongs to you because you sit on the throne. You are glorious. You are the Lamb. And the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell down on their faces before the throne, worshiping God and saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. And then one of the elders asked me, these white robes, what are they? Where do they come from? Sir, you know, he said, these are they who came out of the great tribulation. For they washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And therefore they are before the throne of God. And they serve him day and night in his temple. And he sits on the throne. And he will shelter them with his presence. And never again will they hunger. And never will they thirst. And the sun won't beat on them. Nor will any scorching heat. For the Lamb is at the center of the throne. And he will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. In God, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes.